see some of you. I see some of those views on the website. They're going up. So keep that up. Thank you to everyone who gets to the website. If you haven't been to the website yet, www.thecover.com.au. You can find me there, my podcasts, my columns. You can find Fifth and Dribble there. You can find the Daily Dribble there. There's a couple more that are going to be announced in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out there. I'm in my happy place right now. I'm recording this on Friday night. The Waratahs just got smacked by the Chiefs. It's always a good day when the Waratahs get smacked. I know it happens a lot uh, these days. But uh, when I was growing up, it didn't happen so much. So I'm I'm pumped for that. Pumped for the next game. I'm a little bit concerned the crowd is very small, but I guess... I don't know, Melbourne people don't seem to really care about rugby. And why would they? They've got so much so much other cool stuff going on. You know, they've got all the AFL down there. You know, tennis wasn't far, wasn't, wasn't long ago. The GP a couple of weeks ago. So, and, you know, arguably one of the most successful NRL teams ever in the Melbourne Storm. You know, the Melbourne Rebels are... Uh, Sorry, Melbourne. I know I shit on you a lot, but you haven't been very good uh, ever. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Melbourne Rebels. Don't have a lot for you at the top of the show. Two things, I think. Yes. <laughs> Two things. So the first one really annoyed me. During the week, Stephen Moore... Yes, Stephen Moore, 39 years old, former Wallaby hooker, former Brumbies hooker, former Reds hooker, arguably one of the best hookers in the world during his time, was called into the Reds squad as injury cover. Yep, you heard that correctly. Now, you can't tell me that there's not a club footballer or, you know, and and look, this comes back to, Liam, how do you fix, how do we fix Super Rugby? How do we fix the Wallabies? How do we fix rugby in Australia? Well, why can't Brad Thorne get on the phone to the Brumbies? Because they've got four really good hookers in Falau Fianga, Connell McInerney, Lachlan Lonigan, and Billy Pollard. So why can't Brad Thorne get on the phone and say, G'day, Dan, Brad here, had a couple of injuries at training. Can I pull one of the boys? It doesn't matter who. You know, likely they're not going to play, but can I pull one of the boys in in case, you know, for a couple of weeks as injury cover, you know, in, in, in case we need them. And failing that, you can't tell me there's not a good hooker playing club footy in in Brisbane or on the Gold Coast with Bond. Like you just that like they they're there. I can tell you they're there. And that's a perfect opportunity to just test someone. Bring someone in from club footy, reward them. As I said, the lot likely not going to play anyway. And you know, to me this is so, this is like a microcosm of of what happens in rugby all the time. I used to see this all the time when I was in the system. You'd have you know, someone locally, and, you know, it was always, oh, we could always get someone better from, from Sydney or from Brisbane. You know, we know this guy's here. We'll just get someone else. 
I just it just shits me. And to be honest, even more like you should have just turned it down. Like oh, I appreciate it. Like it's an ego stroke for you, but you you've had your time, mate. You're 39 years old. You're not going to play Super Rugby again. Get on with your life, please. And, you know, Brad Thorne, like, this is the reason people don't like you. Like, I like I know you've got the shits with Rugby Australia at the moment because someone was talking shit about you in, in the press. Well, I'm talking shit about you right now, and I'm happy, I'm happy to have this discussion with you face-to-face or come on the podcast. We can talk about it. But, you like... You're the head coach. You've got a responsibility to develop the players you have and move move Queensland rugby forward. Now, I appreciate you've done a pretty good job there. We'll see we'll see how it goes this weekend against the New Zealand teams. But that is it's just ridiculous. And and this, you know, I guess you're the same bloke Brad who at 40 odd years old or whatever decided you didn't want to be retired anymore, so you came out of retirement to play for Brisbane City or Brisbane Country. I can't remember which one. When you were supposed to be an assistant coach, and you know, knocked knocked someone off their perch, knocked someone who who maybe has an opportunity to play Super Rugby off out of their opportunity to play to play in the NRC. You do like it's just so it's so it's such a narrow way to think, and to think that you're a head coach and you thought that was a good idea, ridiculous. So I think maybe whoever this anonymous source is at Rugby Australia, this is what they mean when they think you're not a team player. The other thing I want to talk about, it's another coaching thing, and I haven't had a chance to really dig into it. I've reached out to a couple of people I know, um, and they've been a little bit cagey with the information that, that they were willing to provide. So I'm, that's all I'll say. But the Tim Sampson, uh, Simon Cron... Simon Cron, Mike, yeah, Simon Cron, swap, um, seems interesting to me. It, like at the Western Force, so you know, I think Tim has done a really good job with the Force. You know, considering where they were, and you know, uh, yeah, they've gone, they've maybe gone a little bit backwards this season, but I certainly wouldn't say it's panic stations, and. Then they announce the new head coach, like in really late at night in an obscure way. And then Tim comes out the next day and sort of has to front the press and just says, you know, we're focused on this year. So it so it doesn't sound to me like he hasn't he has a new job. And and I also have to say I haven't spoken to Tim about this yet. I will. Um but I have reached out to a few people I know and it sounds like it was a little bit surprising for everyone. Took a few people off guard. So I don't I don't know what to make of it. Um it is an interesting decision to do it mid year and in the way that they did it. But then yeah, I, I really, I can't, I can't think, I can't really work out why. And it seems to have had a big impact on the playing group. They don't seem to be particularly harmonious anymore. Um, yeah, it's just an interesting decision. It, it to me, it sounds like 
someone external or someone has made a decision perhaps without going through the correct process or the you know the appropriate process the stakeholder management and engagement piece the communications piece probably as well um and and then you know that's that's how we get to where we got to so i i i'm gonna try and get to the bottom of it um but yeah i just it just seems a little bit fishy to me the whole thing it's it just seems like a very strange way to go about announcing a new coach like like so he he's not going to start till the end of the till till next season anyway so why announce him mid-year doesn't that you know like let's just wait let's just wait until the end of till the season's over give you know give sambo the news or whatever he can go to the players and say, "Hey, we got one. You know, I, I got one more season here. Let's get it done. You know, and then and then we move on." Like it just seems like a very strange, strange process. But having said that, it's a strange organization. You know, it's the it's the only Super Rugby franchise that's privately held, or completely privately held, uh, separate from the state body. So, you know, separate in the sense that. You know the, the high performance unit is privately owned, and the state body is still funded by Rugby Australia. I know that most of the unions have got a community rugby arm and a, and a high performance arm, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange, just strange. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at strange. And I'm sorry I don't have more for you on that. Um, but that's all I'll say. Anyway, this week Lydia Williams is checking back in. Uh, we always have a good chat. We always have some fun. So stick around and listen to that. Once again, thank you to the cover. Thank you to Riverside. Shouts to Riverside. who. So you will now be able to watch this podcast on Spotify. You can find us on Spotify. But now thank you to Riverside. You'll be able to watch us or you'll be able to listen to us. Before you could just listen to us. All right. Up next, Lydia Williams. Lydia, welcome back to the show. Um, I know, you know, quick turnaround. You've just you you were just in Australia. You've just arrived back back in the UK. How how, how are you feeling? How's it all going? Uh, a little bit jet lagged, but um, I think the good thing been able to sleep all the way through the night without waking up. But yeah, still still trying to get back in the time zone. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it was you know. I, I guess from a, an outsider's perspective, from someone watching a pretty successful trip for the Matildas back to back to Oz. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a pretty quick trip. Um, obviously, I think most of us played games that weekend and then flew in and played on, you know, Tuesday night. So, or Wednesday nights. Um, you know, so I think it was, yeah, quite a quick turnaround. But yeah, we, we have a great staff that kind of make sure we're all ready to go. Yeah, and you know, I imagine you know, I know, I know you guys get to play, you know, sporadically together, but I imagine that's that's the most challenging part is to come in, you know, two days before and have to have your game plan ready, have to have have to have your body ready, have to have your sleep ready, and then you just kind of go and and play. So I imagine, yeah, that's that's not an easy task sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's the I guess the beauty of being a coach is how quickly can you you know do the turnaround and you know, all the work that you've done previously, how quickly can you adjust to that and make sure everyone's on the same page? So, yeah, I, I don't want to be a coach for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I tell you, it, it like sometimes sometimes you do question why you do it. You know, I I have moonlit as a um, sort of high performance women's sevens coach, and you know, where the way those tournaments work, they're sort of over two days. So you play day one, and and day one doesn't matter as much as day two does. Mm-hmm. But the work that gets done from the coaching staff between day one and day two is immense because we have to put all our video review together for each athlete individually and then as well as the team review. Then we get up at, you know, we're up till sometimes two or three in the morning doing that and then and then you get up at, you know, 5.30 to start doing the film review because you got a, you got your first game at 9.30. Like, it's rough. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Stick Not to ready playing. for that. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I'll be like, 9 o'clock, 2 a.m., I wouldn't be able to see straight. <laughs> um, and, you know, getting to play again in Canberra. When was the last time you got, got to play in Canberra? I think they said something like it's been like nine years or something yeah. crazy like that. So it's been it's been quite a long time. Yeah. And did you enjoy it? You had some family there, had some friends come and watch you play. That's always nice. Yeah, I had some friends stalking me around the whole stadium, just making sure that... <laughs> no, yeah, family and friends, and uh, it was nice kind of getting back to Canberra and playing in front of the crowd. I think the last time would have been, like, national team-wise nine years ago, but obviously, you know, Canberra United days. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a little weird. Yeah, and, it, you know, I, um, I have to admit, I had tickets, I was ready to go, but I had a friend who was staying with me, and, and with my family and we were just lucky because his room is sort of on the top floor of our house and he mm-hmm. he texted me, it must have been the Wednesday or Thursday before you guys were due to play here in Canberra and said, oh, mate, I have COVID. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the uh, the three of us, my partner and, and my little boy, was so he he drove back to Melbourne where he's from and, yeah, the three of us were stuck in in lockdown for a week. Um, so that was fun. And I don't know what's more annoying is staying in lockdown for a week and not getting COVID or. <laughs> or oh, I, I think I'd rather have COVID. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, from what I could tell, you know, good crowd, engaged crowd. It was a really, it was really good to watch on TV. Um, you certainly don't, you know, I, I, my opinion is it's better in person because you actually get to see a lot of what happens off the ball. Um, but you know, it seemed, it seemed to be a really receptive crowd and they seem to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, the beauty right now, of you know, playing at home and I guess the hype building up towards 2023 and the world cup is that just the crowds are just, you know, they're great. And obviously the girls that are playing overseas that are killing it, that always helps, um, to kind of generate that, that interest. But also, you know, building the confidence within the team. And, yeah, it's really exciting to see, you know, girls achieving things that, you know, they're, they're Aussies. And like we always say, our favourite team is the national team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's exciting seeing, you know, how, you know, players are coming alive and, um, you know, performing. And, and then, you know, taking that to home soil is just, you know, it's incredible as well. Yeah. And, you know, do you think that, you know, what's happened – you know, overseas and, and even in Australia now with, with the A-League women, you know, the development of all those competitions, has that has that really had a huge benefit on the national team because of the high level of football that's available now? Yeah, I think us leaving Australia to 
player overseas at such young ages and joining the national team at young ages has really kind of matured us quite early, I guess. Um, And now that, you know, these leagues that are based in Europe, US um, and those places, we're able to go in there and we're playing against and with the best players in the world and from different countries as well. So, you know, to kind of expand that and, and draw from those experiences, I think really kind of has matured the team and, um, you know, girls are really performing and doing well. So, yeah, it's really exciting to kind of have that option that, you know, the W League kind of fed or the A League women fed into, you know, where a lot of these girls are now and how they're performing. And, you know, that the point you mentioned about getting to play with and against some of the best players in the world from all different countries, like... That's invaluable for a young player. So to so to be able to to pick someone's brain on your team who maybe even doesn't play the same position, but you know, just looking at the way they approach getting ready for a game or the way they approach training, and then you know, looking at the other side of the pitch and seeing one of the best players in the world, and you know, if you're luck, lucky or unlucky enough to, to spend some time on the bench just watching them, you know, that stuff. I, I find I found as a player, I learnt more that way than you know, from any coach or any film review that I, that I watched on myself. Yeah, and, and definitely in, in Europe, there's a lot of countries that, you know, may not be exposed on, on the world stage, um, but some of the players that they have are absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the, the benefit, I think, when you come to Europe is that, you know, there's always going to be some amazing players in each, you know, national team and, you know, you're playing against them and you're like, oh, I have never played with you or against you before and all of a sudden like you're sick so it's it's actually really cool you know being based in Europe and being like oh cool (laughs) (laughs) there are other players that are good at this sport (laughs) yeah so not just like you know mainstream it's like yeah you know little country especially Euros coming up I think that's going to be really exciting yeah and you know as a as a sports fan it's always cool you know one of the things I I watch every year is March Madness the NCAA tournament and it's always cool (laughs) to see when the small schools beat the big schools. So, you know, this year, St. Peter's, the Peacocks were the, were the big story. But, you know, it's, it sounds like that happens over in, in Europe too. There's, there's, you know, countries produce good athletes. It's just about being able mm-hmm. to, to, find, to find them and provide the pathway for them. Yeah, 100%. So speaking of which, FA Women's Super League, not long to go. Uh, Arsenal, one point back from Chelsea. I <laughs> know oh, we just need we just need one point we just need a draw <laughs> yeah. somewhere in there but so, yeah we're we're like hoping and praying <laughs> <laughs> and you know like it's you know for, I've I've kept a really close eye on it because um you know obviously having having working with you now and and you know the litany of Australian athletes that that are over there it's you know it 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 seems like there are sort of three teams that are really competitive and then there's a there's a drop off but i have to say the the battle between you and or arsenal and chelsea has been really awesome to watch from a from a fan's perspective anyway yeah i think it's been going on for quite a number of years now um so yeah it's it's exciting um obviously we just played them in the fa cup so yeah. i mean i feel like we always get bound against them cuz i know it's going to be a good game so yeah. um yeah, unfortunately, we didn't win that game. Yeah, tough one. Yeah, hopefully yeah. hopefully the season goes according to plan. A little <laughs> bit of luck. Um, we'll see. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, it's 
I guess it's di- it's different to the way it's played in Australia. It's um, you know the you play your fixtures and then whoever's sitting on top wins. We don't you don't have the the semi final, final, quarter final sort of experience. So you know for for some Australian fans, I know they battle with that a little bit um, because you don't sort of get the second crack at it like you do with the NRL or with Super Rugby or even um, yeah even with the A League. But you know. It, it, it you know it, to me it makes it more exciting because you really are as a team you really are the masters of your own fate you really can't afford to drop a game that you probably shouldn't mm-hmm. drop or or even draw a game that you probably shouldn't should you know you probably should win you know unlike the NRL where you can drop a couple of games during the year and then you make it up at the back end you really like every game is really a must win in this in, yeah in this format yeah it's definitely like a longevity thing of how good the management and, you know, your ability as a player to take on information and perform week in and week out, like, throughout a whole season. Um, I do kind of miss the finals feelings, though. <laughs> like, that's that's always, like, fun and exciting because, you know, it's, like, one game and you're done yeah, or yeah, you go yeah. on to the next one. So yeah. I haven't decided what I like better yet. <laughs> I mean, speaking of which, Melbourne victory just, just got a win well, a few weeks ago now, but just got the win over over Sydney FC. And, you know, what we were just talking about, Sydney FC for the second year in a row finished top and were knocked off uh, in the final series by by um, by Melbourne. So, yeah, like it it, it, it really does add a, a different flavour to a, to a final series. Yeah, I mean, I think anything can happen when it comes to finals. It's how best prepared are you in that one game Mm. um, versus how best prepared were you throughout a season. So I definitely think that's like a different like niche and, you know, you change your mindset and stuff like that. Obviously that's what it is for like world cups and you Mm. know, those kind of competitions. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's just football. That's just, you know, how it always is and how it always goes. And um, yeah, I mean, I've heard, yeah, Sydney kind of dominated the whole season and, and watched some games and then, you know, comes down to a final and, you know, you can have a, a blinder how you play and then it changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, well, and, and as you say, sometimes, you you know, you just need you just need to beat them once, right, in the, mm-hmm. in the last game of the season. So if you can execute, you know, perfectly or 99% once and you catch them on a day when they're not at their best, anything can happen. Because, you know, I know... You know, back when you were with with um, Canberra United, you know, you had a similar experience where you didn't finish top during the season, but just sort of rode that wave of momentum through to win a to win a title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even City when we were playing there, I think we finished fourth and then did the whole you know battling yeah. fourth and first, and then made it to the final and, and won that. So um, yeah, it does add a different flair to yeah. it. So you kind of get a second shot at redemption, which you know, is always kind of what you want. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I mean, that's been my experience as a rugby athlete. You always get a, a second crack at it, I guess. So, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you're in the top, usually the top four, depends on the competition. Sometimes it's top eight. So as you as long as you're there, then the mantra is, you know, going to the finals, oh, we only have to beat them once, you know. Yeah. Even if you're playing the top team, you just have to beat them once. Execute once and we're good. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it has been... Anyone listening to this podcast would think it's a Melbourne-based podcast because <laughs> there's a lot happening in Melbourne. But, you know, Melbourne Boomers, WNBL team, uh, got a win, you know, win won the grand final series. And I have to say, you know, being in, involved in that league, the, the Boomers were, even though when you looked at the standings, 
they weren't top. They were, mm-hmm. without question, the best team, most talent, most consistent. Um, but they, you know, the, the the generally the reason they dropped games was because they had players out with COVID and, and you know, there were a lot of moving parts with a lot of challenges. But one of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, which I have a little bit of a bee in my bonnet about, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. is the, uh, the Canberra Capitals were sort of booted, I guess, from from the final series because they had a huge cohort of players catch COVID um, and the league sort of decided that both games were going to have – both finals games were going to have to be played in Perth. So they'd played one. The team got uh, COVID in Perth, flew back to Canberra and then cancelled the game. So the league gave them a day effectively. So they came yeah. out of they came out of lockdown on the Tuesday and then they were going to have to fly to Perth, clear medicals, and play on the Wednesday night. So the league sort of backed them into a corner, which, you know, I, I get I get the I get the you know, they needed to finish the season, they needed to get it done so that players could be released and go back to the States or whatever. But like to be that inflexible for a final series seems a little bit a little bit crazy. Have you ever experienced anything like that from a league? I mean, obviously there's protocols like even now of you know, COVID and, and that kind of thing. But I think the thing is, is how quickly can you, you know, take government guidelines mm. and then adapt them into to sport? So there was, you know, a couple of things where it's like, you know, UK is free and open and, you know, there's, there's no check-ins. There's, if you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. If not, you know, do what you need to do. But we still have pro- COVID protocols where it's like, you know, I still have to isolate for X amount, but yet, you know, you could have like a chest infection and it's, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. So I think now they're starting to change it. If you're symptomatic, obviously you, you stay inside and, you know, get better. Um, but if you're asymptomatic again, you know, are fit, you, I guess it's like the same as having, you know, a normal flu or, you know, I guess chest infection or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely have had a few things like that, but if you have enough cases where you can't put out a team, um, then the game gets rescheduled. Mm. And that's just, you know, how it is. They'll play midweek or yep. they'll make sure you, at least you have like a couple of days to to prepare for that. Yeah, and that was sort of the league's approach, you know, all year. If you had if you couldn't put a team on the on the on the uh, court, the game got rescheduled to the back end or midweek or, or where wherever they could they could put it and then for whatever reason during the final series they they just that was their that they're drawing the line mm-hmm. in the sand like we're not doing this anymore so yeah and you know look maybe maybe you know the the caps have won nine or eight so eight eight titles so maybe they uh maybe they thought it was time for someone else to win one <laughs> <laughs> just, just like okay here's a bone Here you go. <laughs> I, I also don't want to you know like i don't want to i know media members do this all the time but i don't want to asterisk Melbourne's achievement, the Boomers' achievement, mm-hmm. because as I said, they were, in my opinion, they were the best team. Um, you know, most talent, really well-rounded team. They could hurt you multiple ways. You know, they can score from three. They could take you inside, really clamp you down defensively. So I think, I, I think ultimately, the result probably would have been the same in terms mm-hmm. of who won. But yeah, to take that opportunity away from a team after being so lenient all year is is a little bit frustrating. And I know 
I know Caps fans were frustrated, but I know that the broader sort of league supporter base was a little bit frustrated as well. So yeah, that, I think it's always hard, especially when it's like finals and stuff like that. When you you know it's like you know the one games. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's yeah something obviously yeah now that COVID is kind of reaching an end of you know what it was, um, you know how quickly can you know, I guess sporting organizations adjust to that. So I think that's still something that's obviously needs to be kind of fixed and, and figured out a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I guess it's, it's harder for basketball too, because there's only, you know, there's only about 15 players who are contracted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you lose, you lose three or four of them and all of a sudden you're starting to, to struggle to put a team to ta- a team on the paddock or paddock court. <laughs> so a mix of a uh, football and basketball yeah. now with Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a- a- as you say, and it- it's sort of you know leagues now. You know, you know, th- it- it's it's funny because three years ago I-, I couldn't fathom that I'd be talking so much about how leagues are navigating. You know, a- a- an illness effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've dealt with illness, we've dealt with injury forever um but you know now now leagues you know have the the difficult task of of navigating that and ensuring that they have enough time to make up fixtures and ensuring you know player welfare and travel and 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 all of those all of those things and and fans as well so you know you've obviously got the commercial aspect of it um Mm -hmm. with fans and and tv broadcast deals and and all of that so i certainly don't envy the position that that leagues are in because it is such a difficult a difficult environment now to navigate and hopefully we're through the yeah. worst of it now um but all i'm asking for is some consistency lydia <laughs> that's all i want that's all i need <laughs> just just be consistent guys that's all i need <laughs> right, i've got two more melbourne things the melbourne grand prix was held a couple of weeks ago here in Australia, obviously, uh, and it broke, it broke the record for most attended event ever in Melbourne, with four hundred nineteen thousand one hundred fourteen people across the weekend. So that's basically the entire population of Canberra just went yeah. <laughs> went to watch some cars drive around a circuit, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Oh yeah, I mean, I think sport in general is just like taking off mm. and blowing up, um, and especially with so long now that we've spent in lockdown and done all these things and been, I guess, starved of public events. Mm. It's like it's pretty incredible that the first time it's like okay, yeah, bang, yeah, you know. And I think even when you know we came home after you know, being away for two years and, and played and had like sellout crowds. And it's just like, you know, um, obviously, you know, AFL as well. As soon as there's, you know, it's back on, it's like, yeah, we're, we're down. Mm. We're on it. And I think obviously it helps that there's like way more documentaries and, and series about, you know, F1 and more motorsports and that kind of thing. It kind of gives you a good insight of like, oh yeah, this is actually something like more relatable than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, so, like, I've I've always sort of admired F one and been a mm-hmm. like a casual fan, and the reason I admire it is because 
and I know this isn't the case, but I just imagine it's like six people sitting in a room looking at a car. They're like, <laughs> how do we make this thing go faster? Like, mm-hmm. And then they just start like adding things and pulling stuff out. And, you know, like, and I appreciate it's got to be more scientific than that. But, you know, it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and, you know, I was building like a billy cart with my friends. And we're like, oh, we'll put a wing on it and we'll, you know, we'll make sure it can, Gosh, we can push it down cars, this hill. That's a throwback. <laughs> you guys getting like the, the um, like, oh, can I take your wheelbarrow wheel? <laughs> yeah. So that, like that, I guess that's the vision I had in my head of, you know, the, the F1 engineers and the drivers sitting around, you know, looking at this car. And and then, you know, the, the Drive to Survive documentary came out and, you know, the series came out. And I've honestly never heard, you know, even just walking around the office, you know, my friends, like so many people talk about F1 now. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's like, I don't want to say the next gateway, but you know, having um, athletes and sports go in a li- little bit more like reality and, and kind of inside uh, knowledge and, and footage, it, it makes you like appreciate things that you're like, oh, that's not so far out anymore. Or, mm. You know, I really respect that sport or that those skills that, you know, maybe I never really noticed. And I think that's like been, you know, the great thing is that, you know, I guess Netflix and other, you know, um, the TV companies are starting to, you know, go down that route. Yeah, because I think you, you, you know, the F one stuff is fascinating because it's, it's such a, it's a story of the haves and have nots, really. Like you know, mm-hmm. you've got your really well resourced and rich, rich teams. You've got all this history in the sport, and then you've got like Haas, who are an American team, who are sort of you know known for their success in sort of NASCAR and and um, the IndyCar series. And, you know, being able to juxtapose, like, Charles Leclerc, who's driving around in a Ferrari, and then Mick Schumacher, who's driving around in a, you know, like, a, a Hyundai. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, and and to see the, because it is such an, it's an individual sport, but you drive as part of a team. So to see that friction sometimes between the two drivers is really compelling. And I think mm-hmm. if I think if you went into any locker room, in any sport, you would see a lot of that, you know, a young mm-hmm. a young player sort of nipping at the heels of a senior player. And, you know, that story can become compelling depending on how, you know, depending on the two personalities. So, you know, I've, I've been saying for ages that, you know, sports, if they want to grow, they should just go to Netflix and pitch that idea and be like, yeah, we'll open up the locker rooms. Let's do it. Yeah. Or even like hard knocks. You just see how yeah. successful that's been and, and seeing, you know, all different NFL teams and, kind of how they progress through the season and stuff. So that's actually, you know, the more that have, have been kind of documented, it's, it's honestly just taken off. Mm. And it, it sort of got me thinking, so golf, and we, we're going to talk about golf in a minute. I'm sorry, I always force a golf chat on you, but <laughs> <laughs> but golf has... Sneaky. Yeah, yeah, sneaky. But golf has this program. It's called the uh, Player Player Impact Program. And it... Basically incentivizes golfers to use social media and create engagement for golf. And so there's obviously some process that they go through where they go through all the analytics of, of I assume you have to submit your social pages and all of that. So Tiger Woods won the first one and he hadn't played mm-hmm. golf in a year and a half when he won. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> so that, that just, yeah, it just gives you an idea of the reach 
you know, he has for golf. And I think I think he got, you know, like he needs it, but I think he got like nine or ten million dollars, you know, as, mm. as the winner of the the player impact program. And it just got me thinking like that's an approach I would love to see some other leagues take. And and also, you know, I mentioned I'm a college basketball fan. So, you know, college sports universities are now allowing their athletes to enter into these things called name, image and likeness deals so they can get paid, you know, to use for businesses to use their name and use their image. The top of the top four um, top four of those deals, the three of them were were female athletes. So Paige Buckers, mm-hmm. um, Haley Van Lith, and and the the third one escapes me. Um, but I would love to see some other leagues take that approach and really encourage their athletes to promote the game, promote the league, and then incentivize them at the end. Of, I think the end of the year is probably the best time to do it. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, as we've just said, like having that visibility on on a platform like Netflix, and then if you and then if you go onto your Instagram and you're sort of seeing almost the stories playing out on Instagram as they are on Netflix, like you then you can't escape, mm-hmm. and you're you're providing more and more access to to the sport for for people who may who may not necessarily be that interested in the sport, but they're interested in the stories. So I, yeah, I, just, I definitely think that's something to be worked through because I think a lot of um, sporting organizations obviously have like image rights and, um, you know, sponsor deals and Mm. and that kind of thing where it clashes. But Mm. I think, you know, doing it, especially with college athletes who are trying to break in or, you know, obviously then they're not getting paid um, Mm. during the time whilst they're, you know, competing in their sport um, basically until they leave college and then they can, you know, start actually, you know, receiving that kind of benefit. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of girls that, you know, they, they're straight out of college and then they come over and it's their first, you know, yeah, first professional paycheck. contract yeah. and they don't know what to do with it, <laughs> yeah. you know, or they're trying to save all the money that they can um, where it's like, if they had something for that, then they, you know, they at least they have a base of, of anything. Yeah, you know, I think the good thing in Australia, we're doing work experience and, you know, part-time <laughs> yeah. when you're 16. So you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> and I think, like, you know, as you say, it's a really good skill to learn at that age, you know, from mm-hmm. you know 16 to, to to 20 when you're sort of still figuring out what you're doing to be able to, to go, okay, I've got, you know, because you're effectively a brand or a business if, mm-hmm. if you're able to sell your name and your image and your likeness for money. And then being able to, you know, then you start to understand, well, I've got to pay tax on that. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to manage this. This has got to last me for this long. You know, when, when's my next deal coming in? So you start to think a little bit more strategically about what you're doing. And and then also like, you know, who am I and what are the things that I want to be associated with outside of, mm-hmm. outside of my sport? And so I think you're right. You know, the, I think, you know, we, we see it a bit in rugby too. Guys come straight out of school. And then, you know, all of a sudden they're earning 80 grand a year, got no idea what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like they have to get in that professional mindset. And I think kind of going the social media route actually helps you to become, I'm not just my sport. Yeah. Um, you know, so then it's, you know, what you're already getting tapped into the world of maybe things that you enjoy or what you want to do after or what you, you know, promote and, and believe in. And I think, you know, that's probably the most important thing that your kind of identity is just not a sporting star. Yeah, and I think it's really important 
to be able to have interests that are outside of your sport because I think, mm-hmm. you know, your sport, like your job, like anything, it can become all-consuming if you let it. You know, if you don't have other things that you, you're doing, you know, if you don't have a family or, you know, you're living away from family and you might you might not have that many friends that are outside of your sport or outside of your sporting organisation. So I think it's really important to have an escape you know, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a business, whether it's something else so that, you know, you've got something that can just pull you away from your sport for a little while because, I, you know, yeah. I've seen it where people get all consumed in it and all of a sudden if your performances aren't going the way you want, it's it sort of compounds. You start to put a lot of pressure on yourself and then if you don't have that ability to just pull yourself away for a bit, it can become really challenging to manage. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when you finish up, if you don't have any other interests, as you say, your identity is so closely tied into to your sport, it's, it's then really hard to, to navigate the big scary world for the next 30 or 40 years. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, and I think golf is kind of doing a good job at that. Mm. Like, you know, at least driving interest from other avenues as well. Be like, oh, you know, that's a really cool ad. Oh, who's this person? Mm. Oh, sporting person. Oh, maybe I'll watch a game. You know, it just kind of helps in you know, sneaky ways to, to draw in crowds and, and kind of, I guess, revenue and more engagement into your sport and you as a person. Yeah, and I, and, and I think, you know, the other the other aspect, making, so F1, you know, is, is a very expensive sport. Golf is a very mm-hmm. expensive sport. So making some of these sports that seem, you know, relatively unattainable, you know, being actually able to see it and understand how it works and, and also, you know, humanising some of the people involved as well because I think, Sometimes we forget that athletes are just people, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, yep. so providing that access to a sport that that may not have been accessible is really important, and and that drives growth, you know, exponentially. Yeah. So, the next thing I want to talk about, Tyler Wright at Bell's Beach. Um, you know, she. This is a really interesting story. You know, she she was quite unwell for a couple of years, took two years off surfing, you know, and she sort of talked about, um, you know, she's won a couple of world titles, but actually winning at Bells after all of that's happened, you know, meant so much to her because of all of that, all of that that she's gone through. Um, and, you know, to do to do it, you know, in front of a home crowd is, mm-hmm. is really special. Um, yeah, and especially at an iconic place like Bells Beach. Yeah. Oh, I think it's, it's amazing. Obviously, you know, when you kind of make a comeback or, you know, uh, I guess a, um, you know, getting back into the, the flow of things as an athlete, you know, you always have, you know, a good flow, mm. um, especially if there has been some hard years. And um, obviously we've produced so many amazing surfers in Australia. Um, but yeah, to win at Bells with kind of, all the things that have happened in the past, I think is just, you know, it makes you proud to be an Aussie. Like uh, I think it's always, you know, you never stop battling um, as an Australian and everything that you kind of do. And then when it comes to, you know, adding that into sport and seeing that and hearing, you know, the story, it just kind of makes like, it, it just is, it's way more than a win. It, it's kind of, you know, one of those things for, you know, the country people that don't even watch surfing have tuned in and, you know, I think it's kind of really exciting to see, you know, how iconic that was. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned we've, we've produced so many surfers and it, it's 
it's such a fascinating sport because it's you know it's it's almost like an art form in the way in in the way it's run it's it's a real expression of of freedom and and mm-hmm. you know no rules and and so the sport is is sort of governed really loosely and and there's no there's no sort of I shouldn't say there's no pathway because there is a pathway but there's not sort of a national body like guiding athletes you know it's all self-directed it's all self-driven it's all you know and and as a as a surfing athlete you know it's your responsibility to get up and and surf it's your responsibility to lift and and do your conditioning and 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 that sort of thing so you know you know when i when i sort of reflected on that story and thought wow like this person has been at the top of their sport and had all of this hardship and then has really just taken it upon themselves to then to then get back and i appreciate she would have had help along the way but you yeah. know for such an individual sport um and you know surfers always talk about you know how much fun they have it's 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 fun it's it, it's as i say it's an expression of of freedom you know to go through all of that and get that win like yeah I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid to say I got a little tear in my eye. It made me very <laughs> as I say, it made me really proud of this person that I don't know and and proud of that, you know, that Aussie battler mentality, like let you know, let's push through adversity and and, and achieve. And yeah, it was just incredible. Incredible to listen to her talk yeah. about it and incredible to watch it happen. Yeah, I think the like the cool thing with a lot of Australian athletes is like nothing's ever really been handed to them Mm. everyone's kind of done it you know hard way and grafted and and grinded and um when you do get that win or victory it means so much and you can see the passion um you know it's never just a a paycheck or it's never just you know for for anything like that it's because they love what they're doing Mm. um and but you know that's so exciting to you know know that you've gone through so much hardship, but yet the passion's still there and then you achieve something mm. with that. I think it just makes it even more sweeter. Yeah. And, you know, the other the other point you mentioned, people who weren't even interested in surfing seem mm-hmm. to have picked this story up and it's, you know, it's national news. It's not, you know, I think the last time I saw surfing in the national news was when Mick Fanning almost got eaten by that shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Punched him in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Which also made me to be proud to be an Australian, to be fair. But, <laughs> but you know, it's 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 such an interesting sport because it's, you know, it's a global sport. It's got this huge reach and huge following, but it's it's not often celebrated here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fascinating to see how many people um, this story has resonated with, and and you know, everyone seems to be running with it. So, you know, and and yeah, surfing's just a fascinating sport to me because it is so beautiful to watch but it's also one of the only sports that's completely at the discretion of the weather yeah like you know you have a two-week window for a tournament and you've just got to sort of hope that the waves are there Mm -hmm. how much can you really practice and and (laughs) kind of know what you're going to do yeah and stuff like that yeah Yeah. it's 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 really it's i think it's just such a interesting sport and you see that everyone is so laid back because you think you have to be yeah because you have to take each i guess wave and and session and and kind of set as it comes so Mm. i think you know a lot of surfers as people themselves are just so chill because you know they have to be yeah it's it's a a good metaphor for life you know take the set Mm. as it comes um and and 
That's certainly been my experience. You can copyright that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Put that on a (laughs) T-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, years ago I worked for a a big ad advertising agency and one of the clients we had was Kelly Slater through a through Mm -hmm. a um, Quicksilver Connect. And we'd lined him up. I say we. I was the shit kicker. I was the person getting the coffees (laughs) and doing the doing the printing. But we had lined him up to do this event um, in Australia for the launch of this project that that he was working on, um, you know, that Quicksilver was funding and, and all of that. And so, you know, so so much so many logistics go into organizing someone of that of that profile, of that sort of, you know, that level of of um of fame. You know, I think he's, you know, one of the people who sort of really transcended surfing and is quite famous. Just anyway. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So we <laughs> we um the day before, we get a, a message from his manager saying, hey, Kelly's, uh, don't worry about picking Kelly up at the airport. He'll meet you guys at the event. It's all good. Whatever. We're like, oh, okay. Yep. Well, it's a bit weird, but that's fine. Whatever. Get to the event. No Kelly. So then, you know, my boss was frantically trying to ring Kelly, trying to ring his trying to ring his agent, whatever. And then we've, he finally got a hold of the agent. And the agent's like, yeah, um, there's a swell. I can't even remember where he said. There's a swell, whatever. So Kel, Kelly just went. So you're just probably going to have to do the event without him. <laughs> Fair enough. As, as they do. Yeah. Chase the surf. Yeah. And, you know, um, and to be fair, his his manager and even Kelly himself, you know, when we had contact with him, he said the same thing that surfing is the priority. And if, if there is a swell you're not going to hear from me for, for two weeks if it, if it lasts mm-hmm. that long. So we kind of knew that that was, that was a, a possibility, but we'd done all this background work, you know, like, like I became a, I became a, a, a meteorologist, you know, like <laughs> so that we could get this, this window for Kelly to come out to Australia. But anyway, like, you know, the, and you know, they, they are, they are very cool people. They're really cool people to talk to because of, because of the way that, that they approach their sport and the way that they approach life. It is very mm-hmm. take things as they come and, 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 you know, don't stress about the things you can't control. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Speaking of, um, of comebacks, Tiger Woods, uh, almost had his leg cut off a year and a half ago and made, you know, a pretty sensational comeback at the masters. Um, you know, the, probably the most famous golf tournament in the world. I um I played golf yesterday, no, 2 days ago, and I can't walk very well today. So, and I'm a relative <laughs> I'm a re- I'm a relatively healthy man in my in my 30s. So, you know, to to be able to even just walk around the course on a on one leg and and be competitive is it was actually incredible to watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, I guess, something in him that's just, I mean, he's he's just so talented in it. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you have to be grateful. It could have been the end of his career as a golfer. Yeah. And then, you know, I think when you kind of reach those, I guess, you know, life could be life-changing moments, then when you come back, when you're able to, because there's something in athletes that, you know, you always have a, a comeback story or just something. Mm. Um, then it almost makes it 
you know, a different unlocking a different side of the passion and, and kind of the talent that you have. So yeah, it's like incredible that he's able to do that still. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he's 47 or 48 and you know, he, yeah, it was, it was just incredible to watch. So I, um, I volunteered, you know, my, my son gets up very early and, and normally, you know, we all sort of get up together and mm-hmm. have breakfast and, and, you know, three hours later I head off to work <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's an exa- that's probably an exaggeration. Yep. But, and so I um I put my hand up. I said, you know, "Cat, why don't you sleep in? I'll I'll look after him. Um, I'll make sure he's fed and whatever." And she's like, "Oh, how nice!" And then when she walks down the stairs, I've got you know we're sitting in the living room, so we don't normally eat breakfast in the living room. But we're sitting. I'm sitting on the floor. I've got my son on the little bumbo chair next to me, which mm-hmm. is like a high chair that you sort of mobile high chair. And he's eating his banana pancakes, watching Tiger Woods. And she just looked at me, shook her head, and she's like, oh, "I get it. I see why you volunteered to to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> breakfast." Our volunteer, yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't worry. But you know, I, like I, I sort of, yeah, I was sitting there in awe, and you know, he does. My son, he didn't know what was going on. He's nine months old, but I, I guess I just wanted, you know, that might be the last time we get to see Tiger play. So it mm-hmm. was a. For me, it was a cool moment to share with my with my infant son. But yeah, just to just to watch, you know, someone who is that supremely talented just like fight his body and figure out a way to be competitive. You know, I sort of joked that if he if he won, it would be the most Tiger Woods thing ever to do. But you know, yeah. But just watching the way he, you know, he couldn't like he couldn't even bend down to get his ball. He was, you know, he oh. he he had so so limited mobility in that leg. So. Yeah, I, I was just so Im- so impressed, and you know, you can say what you want about the controversy and all of that. I just don't think we're we're going to see another athlete like him who can just per- persevere through pain and and just will himself to to be successful. I just think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a very special makeup that he has, obviously. Yeah, I always think that this has been kind of the generation that we've seen so many amazing and probably once in a lifetime athletes mm. um, both stay, come, go. Uh, I mean, just like incredible stories. And when you kind of look back at it, you're like, oh yeah, where was I when like, you know, Usain Bolt won that or yeah. you know, Michael Phelps or um, LeBron, you know, Serena, like all like Messi, Ronaldo. You're just like, oh, there's so many incredible people that have been on top for so long. You mm. don't know how, you know, when's the next bunch that are going to do that and replicate it. Um, yeah. And it, it like, you know, the, the, the Messi and, and Ronaldo thing, like, you know, the, the, like they've given, they've given media pundits so much content over the years because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's always a debate. And, you know, like I, I, I've just enjoyed having them. Like we, we've had two of the, the greatest footballers, you know, probably ever playing in the, at mm-hmm. the same time. Like we, we don't have to do the historic like, oh, you know, is is Beckham better than, you know, Diego? Mar- you know, like what? Wh- however you want to do it. Like we haven't had to have that debate because we've been able to watch them and they play against each other. Yeah. You know, semi regularly. Like it's it's just been incredible. Mm-hmm. And and as you say, you know, yeah. Le- Le- Lebron, thirty seven years old, still doing his thing. Tom Brady's decided to come back for another no. year. Oh, I know. Seriously, he just he just want to live that up for a good three weeks and then you know come back again. I think he just spent two weeks with his family and was like, "Oh my god, 
Yeah, you guys probably. are crazy. <laughs> I'm going back to work. <laughs> is this what it's like now? Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back for one more season. <laughs> And Wait then the kids get old enough to leave home, and then I'll, then I'll retire. Yeah, then, then I'll come back. You know, maybe another three or four seasons. But you know, he like he's another guy, 45, 44, 45 years old. You know, he he's talked about playing till he was fifty. Like he still plays the game at such a high level. You know, oh, like yeah. as I said, I'm 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 30, in my thirties, and I can't even I can't even play eighteen holes of golf without having to do a stringent recovery routine afterwards. <laughs> Doing a nice bath. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, to, to be able to, and, and, you know, all of these, all of these athletes now, and I'm sure you've got, you've got things that you do, uh, you know, the investment in, in your body and, and all of that to, to be able to sustain success for that long. It's just, it's just been incredible to watch. You know, most, most players when I was growing up were, were done by 32 you know now mm-hmm. now we're seeing you know another you know now we're seeing some of the best performances of, from athletes at 32 it's 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 awesome yeah yeah uh, but you know i guess on that note and i can't believe it's taken this long for us to talk about it and you know she she had dotted us last time because she announced her retirement the day after we spoke but um ash Barty at 25 years old retiring from tennis gosh yeah. Crazy. You just you just never would have thought. No. Nah. You know, when you know, Australian Open and, you know, number one for so long and then yeah, just done. Like top of top of her game. But you know, by all by all you know, all of the optics looking from the outside outside in, you know, just completely on top of her game and, and I guess yeah, has decided to go out on her terms. It's 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 interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's, you know, admirable because you just never know what's happening, mm. I guess, inside of an athlete. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, she's just won, I guess, the things that she's wanted to win. Mm. Um, you know, was it in her plans to go back to back? You know, probably not. But, you know, to win the Australian Open at home and then Wimbledon, obviously, which she always wanted to do. And, you know, just kind of achieving the things that you actually set out to achieve. And then being like, oh yeah, tick the box, cool. I'm good. I, I don't have anything. It's you know, it's actually really you know admirable. And you know, if you've done what you want to do, that's cool. Yeah, and and I think too, you know, as you say, you when you when you achieve those goals, you know, and and not many athletes get to achieve everything that they want to achieve. Not not many people mm-hmm. in life, you know, when they sit down as a as a ten year old and say, this is what I want to do, get to live out those dreams, you know. But when you do. I imagine it's hard to then go, okay, like how do I now ref- like how do how do I create new goals? You know, we saw like mm-hmm. Mike Michael Jordan, you know, he would create these narratives of people talking shit about him so that he could, he could keep on going. He could keep going, you know, and you, and you yeah. definitely see LeBron doing the same. You know, he he takes something that a media member says and he uses that as fuel for a while, you know, he takes some trash talk and uses that for a while. So you know, I imagine it is really difficult to refocus and go. Well, I've done all of this, so how, you know, how do I how do I progress now? Um, mm-hmm. And as you say, I, th- I think you're right. I think it is it is admirable. It is, you know, it, it's obviously making her happy. So, you know, why why wouldn't you do it? Um, and you know, I'm pretty excited to see what's next. She's such a talented individual. 
Um, you know, so her, her dad was quoted the other day saying, oh, she, she plays golf um, three or four times a year and is the best golfer at her golf club. Yeah. Gosh, well, ne- next time she'll be playing in, you know, yeah. PGA, PGA. Tour and, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to take all that talent somewhere so it, it will get filtered into some, you know, her next move, which is exciting to see. Mm. And, and, you know, she's she's been such a talisman for, for so many up-and-coming tennis players, young Australian tennis players, you know. I, I, I can see that, you know, still still carrying on and, and permeating and and you know I think she's going to be successful at whatever she does because she obviously mm-hmm. doesn't do things by halves. Um, otherwise, oh, she yeah. probably would have kept playing tennis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, I, I'm I've kept you here for about an hour, so I'll let you uh, <laughs> I'll let you get on with it. All right, I was up a little bit early, so it's fine. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll let I'll let you get on with the rest of your day, but I really. As always, really, really enjoy catching up with you. Um, and I'm, I've, I've purchased an Arsenal shirt, so I'm hoping it gets Perfect. gets here in the next couple of weeks. So I'll send you a photo with me, and and I've got one for my little boy too. So we'll we'll have our shirts on, um, cheering you guys. Well, hopefully, on. it's good news. Then that's a good omen. Hopefully, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, you know. We'll, we'll, We'll catch up again in in a few weeks' time, but um, thanks again, and and yeah, good luck. Play well. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, enjoyed chatting, or as always. So <laughs> next time, hopefully, it's good news. That's right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lid. All right. See you. Bye. Thank you, Lydia. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm pulling for you. Let's go, Arsenal. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the arrival of my jersey and my son's jersey. Where, yeah, we're rooting for you. We're pulling for you. Hopefully, everyone who listens to this podcast is too, because you have always been such a good sport, and we always enjoy catching up. Thank you again to thecover.com.au. Head there, subscribe to the newsletter, click on some links, some links, some ads some articles, just click on some stuff. WNBL, I hate you, but I love you. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, producer. Yeah, yep, that was bad. Uh, I'll be back in a week's time. Apologize for the break over Easter. I had a guest just decide not to show up, which was a shame. But that's okay. These things happen. That's what happens when you work in media. So I will be back in a week's time. Guests coming up are going to be really good, really exciting, really eclectic mix of people over the next few weeks and months. So hopefully you enjoy that. Once again, thank you to Riverside. Thank you to Lydia. Thank you to the cover. And thank you to all of you. I hope to hear from you again we're going to do another mailbag in a couple of weeks with a guest i'll announce that on my instagram page thanks all i will see you in another week